praise this morning. Hallelujah. Are you glad to be in camp meeting? Are you glad to have the Holy Ghost today? Oh, I come to praise the Lord for a little bit today. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Glory. So good to be here. Good to see so many friends. Good to be here at this great church. And good to be here at this great camp meeting. We have truly heard from the Lord this week. And if you came to this meeting searching for direction, looking for some answers, surely if we went home right now, you could go home and say, I have received something from God this week. Praise the Lord. Worship with Sister Weeks as she sings. Living in a cold, dark world. Evil on every hand. Mm, I see brother against brother. Violence steals the land. One another, Lord, they're groping in the night. But there's one question I'd like to present. Tell me what's wrong with the living.
Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I'm glad I'm in this church today. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with us today to the book of James, the first chapter. And then we'll also be looking at the book of First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 3. First Thessalonians, the third chapter. It's good to be here. As I've already said, I've enjoyed so much everything that I've heard. It has been a blessing to us. I appreciate those that were able to come from Truth Harbor in Lake Park, Georgia, to support their pastor. Man, we're glad they're here. And they better help me today. Amen. Good to uh, have my wife with me and um, her mother and father here today. Uh, just enjoying the blessings of the Lord this week. Praise God. Look out and see so many friends. And I'm uh, glad I've got friends in the congregation. Brother Cox said the other day when he preached he didn't have any friends. Oh, brother... Everybody's my friend today, I can promise you. Man, friends with everybody, praise the Lord. But uh, I just appreciate all of the good preaching we've heard. It's been such a blessing. I heard about two Indians that were sending smoke signals when the test for the atomic bomb was made. They were sending their little puffs of smoke up, and all of a sudden that big mushroom cloud went up, and one of them looked at the other one and said, Boy, I wished I'd have thought of that. That's how I felt hearing some of this preaching this week. Amen. But I hope you will help me today. And uh, I shared with my wife uh, this morning what I felt that the Lord had given to me. And I walked in here this morning, and Sister... Martin was up here, and she preached all over my message. And um, so I could either get mad that she stole my message, or I could just take that as a confirmation. So I'll take it as a confirmation today. Praise the Lord. Amen. I heard about a study some psychologists did, and uh, they said that uh, the ears of a person tell a lot about their personality. And uh, they did this study... They said, if you have large ears, it means you're concerned with truth and ambition. And that if you have extra large ears, it means you're proud and vain and pretentious. Quit looking at your neighbor's ears. It uh, also said, if you have small ears, that uh, you are careful and prudent. You have willpower and perseverance. And uh, it said, if you have oval-shaped ears, you are perfectionist. CPA type. If you have cauliflower ears, I told you to quit looking at your neighbor's ears. You're angry and frustrated. Or you've been in the ring with Tyson. I don't know either one. Uh, if your right ear is bigger than your left ear, it means you can't make decisions. I don't care what your ears look like today. Just give me your ear for a little bit. Let's have church this morning. How about it? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I want to get on the same wavelength you are on. I hope you get on the same wavelength that I'm on. man was showing off his new home to some friends, and he went into a room, and he said, the furniture in this room goes back to Louis Fourteenth." His visitors looked at him and said, Yeah, I know what you mean. Mine goes back to Sears the 15th. Hallelujah. Praise God. Where was I? James, the first chapter, the ninth verse. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. Because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. And then the first Thessalonians, the third chapter, the third verse. 
that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. My contribution to this camp meeting is entitled, The Ability to See the Big Picture. The Ability to See the Big Picture. Let's lift our hands and thank God for what we've already heard in this camp meeting. Thank God for what He's going to do. Praise the Lord. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name, God. Oh, we glorify your wonderful, matchless name in this place. God, we love you. We pray, Lord, for your anointing today. We pray, God, for your touch today. Hallelujah. Help us today. Let us leave this place strengthened, helped, and blessed by the power of God today. We love you, Savior. Oh, we give you worship. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Well, before you're seated, turn around and look at somebody that looks real sour and shake their hand and tell them, cheer up. The preacher's not going to preach a long time today. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Praise God. We are living in a day of advanced technology. Several things have been said in this meeting about the Internet. There was a, uh, a, a, a an article in the newspaper several weeks ago about an email message. And uh, the story went that a couple was going to Florida on vacation. Lord, I don't know what anybody want to go to Florida for. But anyway, they were going to Florida on vacation and the uh, lady had to stay behind for an extra day and her husband went on down there. And so he emailed her and uh, he left out one letter in the address. And the message was misguided to a minister's wife who had passed away the day before. The, The minister had passed away the day before. And when she checked her email, there was a message. And it said, Dearest wife, just arrived this afternoon, preparing for your arrival tomorrow. Love your husband. P.S. Sure is hot down here. (laughs) She screamed and fainted and fell out on the floor. Amen. Let me tell you something. That's not the kind of message that I'm hearing today. I'm hearing a message that's telling us not to faint. It's not time to quit. The victory of enduring is greater than a relief of quitting. Amen. For consider him who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. But I'm telling you, the message I'm hearing is you can make it. Amen. God is going to give you strength. God is going to be there for you. God is going to be what you need Him to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes when we explain this Christian walk and we share with the soul the experience of salvation, we tell them about the joy and we tell them about the peace. We express to them about the happiness that we felt when God saved our soul and the satisfaction and the thrill and the power and the excitement. And uh, sometimes we represent the new birth as pure ecstasy and bliss. And we tell them about the power and the glory. And I I don't want to discourage any of this or take away from our witnessing or our testimony that we give or to say any of these representations are untrue. But uh, I have seen new ones in Christ totally unprepared for the reality of being a saint. And I have seen those with lofty expectations. They crumble when they uh, are all of a sudden beset by temptations and by the struggles and unexpected battles and trials. Can I tell you today that Jesus never painted a distorted 
picture of discipleship. He made good promises. He told them about the power. He told them about the great experience. He told them about angels that would be ascending and descending. He told them, amen, about the new light that they would give. Amen. But he knew how to give them a picture of the overall view. He made promises such as, Whosoever drinketh of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He also gave them the picture. He said, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. He pointed out, amen, an an attractive picture when he said, In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. But that wasn't all of the picture. He also gave them a glimpse of the other side. He told them that there were going to be times of loneliness. He said the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. He told them about persecution. He said, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. He also foretold of afflictions. He said, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. He said, hey, there's abundant life in living for me. I've got a mansion on the other side for you. I prepared a place, but I want to give you the whole picture. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be smooth sailing. It's not always going to be a bed of roses. Honey, let me tell you, if somebody told you that living for God was always easy, they were wrong. If they told you it was going to be a bed of roses, they missed it. If they told you you were never going to have any more troubles anymore, I'm telling you, they didn't give you the whole picture. There's going to be some times you're going to cry in the night. There's going to be some times you pace the floor, wringing your hands. There's going to be some times... You're going to weep and travail. Amen. But I'm telling you, I'd rather live for God in the worst times than be out there in the world without Him. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. But let me tell you, hold on before you get discouraged about the persecutions. Hold on before you get all disgruntled about the afflictions. Hold on before you begin to turn your back because of the loneliness. I just came to tell you what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are ye when men shall revile you and shall persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. He said, Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You got to get the whole picture. If you don't get the whole picture, all you're going to see is my pain right now, my trial today, my suffering this moment, what I'm going through at the present. But I'm telling you what's going to keep you holding on is when you can see beyond all of that, when you can see past, amen, the crying and the tears and the trouble. You've got to get the big picture. Amen. He said, you're blessed. You've got to see the blessing in all of that. You've got to see that the reward is great. You've got to see that you're not the only one that suffers, suffered. That caused so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Don't be so small-minded that all you can see is your own pain. And that all that you can see is your own suffering. And see what you're going through yourself. story is told that the man who created the idea for the Brooklyn Bridge 
he went to several people and submitted his idea. And all of these bridge building experts told him that it just wouldn't work. And finally, he and his son, his name was John Roebling, and Mr. Roebling uh, convinced his son, his son's name was Washington, that this idea did have some merit. And so they developed further the concept. They resolved the problems that other engineers had told them about, and they hired a crew to build their bridge. But the bridge had just begun to be constructed when a tragic, tragic accident happened and took Mr. John Roblin's life and severely injured his son, Washington, who became unable to talk or to walk. And everybody thought that the project would be abandoned and that since the Roblins were the only ones who knew about the dynamics of building the bridge, that this bridge would never be built. But as Mr. Washington lay in that hospital bed, he couldn't talk and he couldn't walk, but he could still think. And he still had the desire to see the bridge finished. And as he lay there in that bed, he got an idea. And he decided that he still could communicate with his engineers and with his crew leaders and keep the bridge going on. And so he began to communicate with his engineers by tapping out in code on his wife's arm what he wanted her to tell them. And for 13 long years, Washington tapped out his instructions until the bridge was built. Tragedy didn't stop him. Paralysis didn't stop him. Problem didn't stop him. The bridge has got to go on. Amen. Let me tell you, we need to get the big picture of this church. There's been some that's been wounded on the wayside. There's been some that's left us for greener pastures. There's been some that's preaching another doctrine. But I'm telling you, the church is going on. Amen. We fought with the devil and we've been through trial. And it seems like we're a shadow of what we used to be. Not so, honey. If we've got to stay there and tap out instructions, the bridge is going on. The church is going on. We're still going to have revival. We're still going to have a move of God. We're still going to be shouting and dancing, running the aisles, talking in tongues, having church. It's going on. Hallelujah. Among the minor prophets sandwiched between Amos and Jonah, there's the short Old Testament book of Obadiah. And it is addressed to the Edomites, the descendants of Esau. And the subject of this book is the judgments of God against them. And the reason that God was so intensely angry with Edom was their attitude toward the Assyrian captivity of Jerusalem. It was a time when God had allowed these foreign invaders to overrun the Israelite nation because of their own iniquity and their own sin. But at the same time that God was allowing, amen, the Chaldean army to watch, to, to, to march into Jerusalem and into, amen, the land that God had promised His people and take them captive at their own will. At the same time God was allowing this to happen, God was looking across Jordan at Israel's brother, a man on the other side of the river, and was watching for his response. Amen. And I believe that God looked beyond two nations, and He looked beyond two different kingdoms, and He looked beyond two domains, and He saw two brothers. One was in trouble, and the other one was in unconcern. One was in adversity, and the other one was, was looking on in disdain. And the subject of the book, the Lord said, there are three things that Edom has done that has stirred up my wrath. Number one, when the enemy came in and took my people captive, his brother stood there aloof. And the second thing was, he not only stood aloof, but then he gloated about their captivity. 
And not only did he stand looking on with disdain and then gloating over their misfortunes, then the third thing, they finally took part. And when there were some that looked like they were going to escape, they cut off their way of escape. And he said, I'm talking about his brother. Amen. I know that the Israelites had sinned and the Israelites had invited things in, but they were still God's people. And God was still looking out for them. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Can I preach today? Amen. I don't, I don't, I don't come with any kind of agenda and I hope that I'm, I'm not misunderstood. Amen. Just let me preach for just a few minutes. Amen. If you tell me today that, amen, that, that we are living in a worldly time, I, I have to agree with you. You tell me there's things that's creeping into the church, I, I agree with you. There's some strange spirits that's come into Pentecost. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. If you tell me you see an invasion of, of worldliness and a love of pleasure, I agree with you. And some things have been invited in by our own foolishness. Hallelujah. And some will go into captivity. And some will never come back. Oh, but I'm telling you, God is going to have a remnant. God is going to have some people that's going to come back to the old landmarks. And He's not going to find me standing on the sidelines, gloating over my brother's failure, standing there proud because I'm standing and somebody else fell. I'm telling you, we're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep loving people. We're going to keep having revival. And God's going to have a remnant. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, have mercy. Man, oh, come on. Help me, church, today. We, we need to be careful. Lord, I don't come here with any kind of agenda. And you, you can read anything into this you want to. Amen. But uh, we, we need to be careful what kind of label we put on a brother that makes a bad decision or takes a step in the wrong direction. Oh, we can be so quick to write people off. And cut off any way of escape when they want, want to come back. I'm not talking about somebody going charismatic. I'm not talking about some reprobate. Ooh, hallelujah. Mm. Oh, it's, it, it, it's so much easier to criticize from our corner of comfort. Mm, hallelujah. Than it is to get on our knees and call that name out to God. Ooh, hallelujah. I know I'm young and I ought not be saying anything, praise God. But it's it, 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 it's a whole lot more fun to get on the phone and tell what we've heard than it is to keep our mouth shut and show some mercy. Mercy! Oh God, when I needed mercy, He gave me mercy. Thank God I got some brethren. When I needed mercy, they gave me mercy. Thank God they didn't kick me out because I made a bad decision. Uh, Lord, have mercy. James said, he shall have judgment without mercy who has shown no mercy. i tell you why I show mercy. is because when I walk before the throne room of God, Lord, I need mercy. I remember where I've been. I remember what I've done. I remember some of the foolish things I've done. Lord, I need your mercy. Hey, and he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Amen. Every time I have a tendency to look down my sanctified nose at somebody that maybe don't have it as much together as I do. My Lord, have mercy. I remember the pit that God dug me out of. I remember some of the foolish things I've done. And I remember how I had to go crawling back to the cross and plead the blood of Calvary. And i got to keep my mouth shut. 
tell you, this church is not in trouble. There's still some holiness believing preachers. There's still some holiness believing churches. This church is going forward. This church is going to have revival. This church is praying people through to the Holy Ghost. This church is going to glory. Amen. Hold on. Hold on. Before you start pronouncing doom and gloom. Hold on. Before you tell me that the church is going down. Hold on. Before all you see is worldliness and ungodliness. Let me tell you something. God is able to raise up strong men of God from the most liberal elements that we have seen. God is able to raise up holiness minded men from churches that have left these old landmarks. Somebody's going to love it. Somebody's going to appreciate it. Somebody's going to be thankful for it. Somebody's going to value what we have today. Hey. God said, hold on, hold on, Obadiah. You tell Edom that my people are going to get up again. And when they get up, I'm going to give them his land. You tell Edom, when they come back to the land, I promise them, I'm going to give them his possessions. He wants to stand over there and fold his arms and criticize. When they get back up again, I'm going to give them his property. I'm going to give it to him. Hey, hey, hey. And the last part of the book of Obadiah, you may be seated. He said, the kingdom shall be the Lord's. I'm going to bring them back. Let me tell you, this is God's church. This is God's church. This is God's church. It's not my church. This is God's church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not, shall not, shall not, shall not, shall not prevail against it. God's gonna have a church. God's gonna have a church. Hey, if I, you know why the gates of hell can't prevail against it? Because God's building it. If I build it, it may come down. If you build it, it may be destroyed. But I tell you why it's gonna stand. It's because God is building it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. The prophet Habakkuk went crying to God about the condition of Israel. He said, God, you you got to see the way. you you got to see the predicament that your church is in. There's lack of justice. There is sin and iniquity and violence and dishonesty and pride. And the strong are exploiting the weak. And there is no justice or fairness in the courts. And there is nothing but perversion of, of judgment. And it's not fair. And God spoke to Habakkuk and he said, let me tell you something, Habakkuk. I'm taking care of things. And I'm just going to give you a glimpse of, of what's going to come to pass. He said, I'm going to see the Chaldean army in. And they're going to take my people captive. And they're going to be in captive for a certain amount of, of years. But then, uh, uh, and, and then I'm going to bring them back. And then God said, Lord, it's not fair. You're taking a heathen nation and you're bringing them in to, to come and take captive your people. This is just not fair. Let me tell you, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so, after Habakkuk had been complaining and telling God again, he knew that God was fixing to rebuke him. He knew that God was fixing to reprove him. And he starts out the second chapter saying, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. Lord, I know it's coming. I'm just waiting to see what you're going to say now. And the Lord answered me and said, Right the vision and make it 
plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. Habakkuk, I know you're complaining. I know you don't understand because you don't see the big picture. But I'm about to give you the vision. And then when I give you the vision, I want you to give it to somebody else. I want you to preach it to somebody else. I want you to tell it to somebody else. And when they get the vision, I want you to tell them to do something with it. I want them to run when they read it. Hallelujah. My Lord, it don't make sense, this this vision that you're giving to me. Amen. I know all that has come upon us and all that will come upon us. You ever wonder why that nobody ever has to encourage your pastor to come to church? Have you ever had to call your pastor and say, uh, Pastor, I, I, I'd sure like for you to be there in service with us today. You just keep holding on. God's going to come through for you. Wonder why? Is it because he's never discouraged? Because he never has down times? Oh, I know. He has no problems. He's just sitting up there taking all them tithes. <laughs> oh, yeah, no problems. Preachers don't have problems. Amen. Uh, somebody, somebody told a friend of mine, said, no wonder why you can live for God. You get paid to live for God. Have mercy. Nobody ever has to beg your pastor to show up on time. Or to even worship. Now, pastor, now, you, you just get in this service. And God's going to give you what you need. If you just put forth an effort. And you just love God. You just get... Wonder why? Because he's got the vision. And that's what he's been preaching to you about. Nobody ever has to pat him on the back and tell him to cheer up. Everything's going to be all right because he's got the vision. It's time we get the big picture and understand that church is more than a pat on my back. Church is more than a little pick-me-up on Wednesday and Sunday. And he said, write it. Make it plain that he may run that readeth it. Let me tell you, when you get the vision, it's going to express itself somehow. I don't know who started running the aisles in Pentecost. But if you've got a problem with it, maybe you don't see what we see. <laughs> maybe you just don't have the vision. Because sometimes when we just think about how good God's been, it just expresses itself. Sometimes when we remember where we were and how far God has brought us, it just expresses itself. Sometimes when my preacher's preaching and it gets down to where we're living, it just expresses itself. I get the vision and I gotta run. Sometimes I just feel the Holy Ghost and it just expresses itself. Sometimes I want to feel the Holy Ghost and it expresses itself. Sometimes my brother's running and I want to rejoice with them to rejoice. And I get out in the aisle and I run with my brother. We got the vision today. I don't worship because everything's great. I don't worship because everything's wonderful. And I have no problems. But I tell you why I get out and I do a shout and I praise God. I got the big picture. I got the big picture. It goes beyond my situation. It goes beyond my problem. It goes beyond how I feel. It goes beyond what I'm suffering today.
Hallelujah. Oh, I feel Holy Ghost anointing in this place. Hey, some of you stiff and starchy saints ain't done nothing for God in a while. You ought to get out of your pew and just do a little bit right now. Hey, this thing about how nice, it ain't about how nice I look. It ain't about how my shirt is pressed. It ain't about how nice my suit is. This thing is about me worshiping and praising God. somebody come on somebody I'm telling you if you got problems that's good you need to get the big picture if you got a situation pain in your body you need to say that's just an avenue that God can work a miracle in my life honey you got to get the big picture you got to get your mind off of you you got to get it off of yourself and what you're going through get it on God Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, hey. He said, listen to me, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not Terry, let me tell you what's going to hold you. The vision is going to hold you during Terrian time. It's going to hold you through the dry time. It's going to hold you through the valley time. It's going to hold you through the trial time. It's going to hold you when you can't feel anything. It's going to hold you hey, when you're not seeing an answer. When you don't feel an answer. just came with a message for somebody. You need to look beyond right now. You need to look beyond right here. You need to look beyond me and mine and get a hold of the big picture. Ha, 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 ha. And after God gave to Habakkuk the vision, he starts out chapter 3. And he writes a song. He said, I'm going to write a song. And this is what the Amplified Bible says. Chapter 3, verse 1 of Habakkuk. He said, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet set to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal music. He said, when I saw the big picture of what God is really doing, I went wild with enthusiasm. Hey! And he started on his song. And the first verse of his song goes like this. Oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. I'm singing about revival. The children are going into captivity, but I'm singing about revival. Uh, Things are looking bleaker, but I'm singing about revival. Uh, It might get worse before it gets better, but I'm singing about revival. Uh, My church don't seem to be growing, uh, but I'm singing about revival. Uh, Some of my main members left me, but I'm singing about revival. Uh, Our offerings are down, uh, but I'm singing about revival. Uh, Pentecostals are going charismatic, but I'm singing about revival. 
revival. My finances are in shambles, but I'm singing about revival. I'm sick in body, but I'm singing about revival. People don't like me, but I'm singing about revival. Hey, 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 some of you need to go home and you need to just start singing revival. I feel like sitting down and crying. I feel like I ain't got a friend in the world, but we're going to get up. Don't have one visitor in the building, but we're going to sing about revival. I don't know how I'm going to make it, but we're going to sing about revival. God's going to have a church. God's going to have a people. God is going to come through. Somebody going to get the Holy Ghost. Somebody going to get healed. Somebody going to get delivered. Somebody going to get what they've been praying for. Somebody's going to get their prayer answered. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but we're not destroyed. Why? How can you be down and you're not destroyed? I got the big picture. How can you be troubled on every direction and you're not, hey man, you're not distressed? I got the big picture. How can you be perplexed and not know what to do, but you still don't give into despair? I got the big picture. Hey, 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 hey. My Lord, I can finish this message some other time. I'm telling you, we need to have church around here. I'm telling you, some of you, God's trying to give you some faith. God's trying to build your faith. God's trying to give you a glimpse of what He can do and what He wants to do. Oh, we need to lift our eyes today. You need to pick up your head today. Pick up your head today. You've been looking down long enough. Oh, you've been looking down too long. Time to pick up your head. in World War II, there was a fable that circulated throughout Europe about England. And it was that Hitler and Mussolini and Churchill gathered in Paris for a secret conference. And they were sitting at a table, at a tea table beside a famous carp pool. And Hitler opened up the dialogue and he said, Churchill, England is finished. Just sign this document admitting defeat And all of Europe will be at peace tomorrow. And Churchill looked at him and said, I don't agree that we've lost the war. Hitler pounded the table and said, that's ridiculous. And so Churchill said, why don't we settle this with a wager? And they said, what's the bet? He said, you see these big carp in the pool? Let's wager that the first one to catch one without using customary fishing equipment will be the winner. And so they agreed. So Hitler was the first to pull out his gun. He started shooting. But the water was deflecting 
bullets. The next, Mussolini jumped in the pool and tried to catch one with his bare hands. And he, that didn't work either. Churchill took the spoon off of the table, knelt down beside the pool, started spooning water out. They said, what are you doing? He said, it might take a long time, but we're going to win the war. One spoonful at a time, we're going to win. One church service at a time, we're going to win. One revival at a time, we're going to win. One message at a time, we're going to win. One song service at a time, we're going to win. One soul at a time, we're going to win. Let's give the Lord praise right now. Glory. Everything's gonna be alright. Oh, I've got a feeling everything's gonna be alright. Oh, I've got a feeling everything's gonna be alright. Be alright. Be alright. Be alright. When I ain't gonna to worry, everything's gonna be Be all 